Good morning. Isn't that an amazing song? And Ginny sang it so well. It's fantastic. And as I said this morning, she didn't tell me what she was going to sing about, and I didn't tell her what I was going to preach about, but it, you're going to see, it, it goes together. And that is only the Holy Spirit that can do that. And it's so fantastic just to know God's ways are best. When we have plans, and we have things that come up to interrupt those plans or change those plans, we know God's in control, and he always has a reason for it. And we frustrate ourselves, we get upset, we worry about it, and God has it all taken care of, just like that. Four days late, right on time. Shall we just open in a word of prayer? Father, we pray today that you will direct us by the Holy Spirit in the Word of God and touch our hearts, Lord. Encourage us and challenge us. Speak to us individually and personally. And please hide me behind the cross, Lord, and please pray that the words that are spoken will be your words and will really do a great work in every heart. We just praise you and thank you now and ask that you will be our, our guide and director. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I was getting on BART, and I was so excited. On Friday, I was off work, and I'm on vacation now for just almost two full weeks. And I was checking my phone, and one of these news stories came up. You know, you can't help but see these stories that came up. Well, this one really caught my attention, and it's kind of stopped me right there, and I read it over, and I was really sad by this whole by this story. The story is told of a Christian bookstore in Tennessee by the name of Cedar Springs Christian Bookstore. They had to close their second location, so they had to liquidate everything in stock, including all the shelves and units like that. So they put an advertisement in the local newspaper called the Knoxville News Sentinel. And the newspaper accepted their ad, and they paid for it, and everything was done. Well, it comes to find out they didn't run the ad. So then we waited for it to come in the paper, and they didn't run the ad. So the owner called the newspaper and talked to a lady on the phone and said, we want to know what happened. We ordered the ad, we paid for the ad, and it didn't run. And she says, well, well ma'am, there was a, a problem with the ad. Well, what was the problem? Well, there was a, an offensive word in the advertisement, an offensive word in so we couldn't run the ad. And the lady was perplexed. Christian bookstore, you know, perplexed. What, what could be in that ad that would be offensive to the readers of the newspaper? What might it be? And they, she said, what, what was it? Well, the word Christian was in the ad, and our readers would find that offensive, so we didn't run the ad. Really? In our day and time, it shouldn't surprise us that these things are happening, but they are happening. So the newspaper drew widespread criticism because this is down in the Bible Belt, too. There's a lot of Christians around that area down there in the south. And so they got everything all stirred up. And so the newspaper says, oh, we had some technical problems. And because of the technical problems, that, that's the reason we couldn't run the ad. And, you know, we'll run the ad for you free of charge, and we'll run it for longer than, than you had. And that's how that story went. But it, it's interesting that the word Christian could actually be considered offensive. But that also shouldn't surprise us, because in 1 Corinthians it says that the message of the cross is to those who perish foolishness, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And it shouldn't surprise us 
that these things are happening. But really calling the word Christian offensive? Now, if the word Christian is offensive, that would mean the word Christ, and the person of Christ would be offensive. And if the person of Christ is offensive, that means Christians are offensive. And if it means Christians are offensive, then that means Christian churches that preach the gospel are considered offensive today. It's sad. They can print whatever they want about other religions, whatever they want about uh, off-color things and different themes, we all know, and they won't call those offensive. But just mention Christ, just mention Christian, just mention these things, and the world's all against it. They say it's offensive. Sad to see what is happening in our day and in our time. But it's an amazing thing that our God, our great God who has all power, has given you and I the freedom of choice, whether to choose Him and His ways or to choose man and His ways. It's a clear choice, a clear choice. And people have to make that choice. Whether you're individuals or whether you're nations or whether it be anyone, we have to choose to follow Christ. We have to choose God's ways. Man's plans and man's ways are going to fail every time. But God's plans and God's ways and God's counsel is going to succeed every single time. In that story of Lazarus, they thought it was a failure because Jesus didn't come. He allowed Lazarus to die. What's going on here, Lord? If you'd have just been here four days ago, he would have survived. He would have been raised from this sickness. God has a plan. He has a plan that's different than our plan. He did it in such a way as he would bring greater glory to God by raising him from the dead than he would have if he had just made him healed from his sickness. And God has a way, a purpose in life for us, and we just need to trust him. We just need to follow his plan, his directions in life. You know, you cannot go against God's plans and expect anything but failure, disappointment, heartbreak, and devastation. It is so true. The title of our message today is God's Counsel or Man's Counsel. You make the choice. I have to make the choice. And we have to make it every day of our lives. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles, you can also see it on the screen. Ed's going to put it up. Psalm 33, verses 10 and 11. Psalm 33, verses 10 and 11. Here the psalmist says, The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the peoples of no effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of His heart to all generations. Yes, the counsel of God versus the counsel of man. These are the two things we're going to look at today briefly in our message. The counsel of man cannot stand. It cannot. But the counsel of God stands forever. I love the verse from Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, and this also it ties into what Ginny was singing in that song because it's not our ways. It's not our thoughts. It's God's ways and God's thoughts that count. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, 
And your ways are not my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God's ways are different. He has it totally different, and the world is opposite to it. So if we accept man's counsel, we're going to be off track, completely off track. But if we accept God's counsel, we'll be right in the center of his will, right where he wants us to be. Even though it doesn't always make sense to us, God's will and God's counsel, we need to accept it, and we need to reject God's, man's counsel. Well, let's look, first of all, the counsel of man cannot stand. I love how the psalmist says here, the Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. Haven't we seen this true in recent years? Haven't we seen it true since the days of the Lord Jesus? And even beyond that, back into the Old Testament times, where God has turned situations around and made the counsel of man fail and be like foolishness. And that's what God does. Man's counsel, it cannot stand. He brings down the haughty, the proud, the arrogant of this world. Because people think, I know all the answers. I know what to do. I know how to guide my own life. I don't need anyone to tell me what to do. Surely not a pastor. Surely not God telling me what to do. People that do that and say that, it's sad because they're heading for disaster. Heading for disaster. It reminds us of the story of the Titanic. When they were sailing on the Titanic, the captain before this, the voyage took place says, this Titanic it was a brand new, beautiful vessel, is unsinkable. Unsinkable. And we've got a plan that we're going to leave here and we're going to arrive there and it's going to be the greatest maiden voyage in the history of all sea-bearing vessels. But what happened? It hit an iceberg. And sadly, they got word of it beforehand and they could have even taken a different path, but they kept going in the wrong way, and they crashed against the iceberg, and what happened? The unsinkable ship sank. The unsinkable ship. You can think you have the right answers. You can think you're doing the right thing. You can follow your own principles or the principles of this world, and it is going to be like that ship hitting the iceberg. It is going to sink. But when we trust God that he has a plan, that he has something better for us, he will lead us to victory, he will lead us to encouragement. Isaiah chapter 40 and verses 15 and 17 tells us also about how God brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. It says, Behold, the nations are as a drop in the bucket and are counted as small as the dust on the scales. That's pretty small. Look, he lifts up the aisles as a very little thing and all nations before him are as nothing and they are counted as less than nothing and worthless. God looks down on man and sees all the scheming and all the plotting and all the people that are against him and, all, and against his church and against his truth. And he sees it, he's going to bring it to nothing. He is going to bring it to nothing. And that's what he does. Warren Wiersbe, the Bible commentator, said, people with authority make decisions that affect the destiny of nations. When God is not permitted to rule, then he overrules. 
and for his will shall be accomplished. He can turn the policies and plans of nations into nothingness. And the psalmist continues, he makes the plans of the people of no effect. I like what Bill McDonald wrote. He's with the Lord now. And he wrote in his commentary, throughout human history, the ungodly nations have collaborated to thwart God and ruin his people. It's been true since the beginning. God ultimately frustrates the cleverest plots hatched by his opponents and nothing can hinder the accomplishment of his purposes. He will always have the last word, and whatever plan, whatever he plans, will come to pass. It's so amazing. It's going to come to pass. God's plans are going to come to pass, and they're going to succeed and be a blessing. But man's plans are going to fail. Doesn't it remind us of the story in Genesis chapter 11 of the building of the Tower of Babel? They thought, here, we've got a plan. We've got the architects. We've got the builders. We've got everybody to work on it, ready to go. We're going to build a tower that's going to rise up all the way up to heaven. We're going to build this tower. And God looked down on it. And he saw, said, if we don't do something, these men are going to, going to do this, and it's going to be bad. So what God did is he went down, he came down, and he he confused their languages. They were all speaking one language at that time. And so God came down and confused their language and they couldn't understand each other anymore and they scattered over the face of the earth. And what happened to the project of the Tower of Babel? It came to nothing. It became worthless. They left it. And it goes to show that anyone tries to go against God is going to fail. It's not going to work. Man's plans do not work. I love the story in the Old Testament of David. We just had some messages by our dear brother Rajiv about David. Well, David had a close friend and an advisor and a counselor. And this counselor was such a great friend and advisor that whatever the, he, he counseled David to do, David did it. It was like the oracle of God. He, it was a great relationship they had. They were friends. There's passages in Scripture that said they went into the house of God together and enjoyed that sweet communion and fellowship. Well... This man turned against David, and his name is Ahithophel. And Sylvia's probably spoken on this over the years, I'm sure. But Ahithophel sided against David when Absalom usurped David's throne. And Ahithophel not only turned against David, but he schemed and plotted to kill David and scatter all his men. Now you say, what kind of a friend was he? What kind of a counselor did he prove to be? He became a traitor. He became a traitor. And God then turned that counsel that he made into foolishness because David sent his, his friend Hushai. And Hushai went and he brought a counsel that was different than Ahithophel. And so the king at that time, who was Absalom, he was the king, he said, Let's, we want to choose Hushai's plan. It's better than Ahithophel's plan. And Ahithophel couldn't take it. That was the first time in his life that somebody had not listened to his opinion, had not listened to his counsel, had not listened to his ways. And so he went out and he hung himself. But the point of it was, is that God turned that counsel that he had into foolishness. And so the counsel that went out, Absalom went out, and he fought with the forces of David, and he was killed, and all his troops were scattered. 
And David was restored back to his kingdom so that God's counsel overruled man's counsel and brought it to nothingness exactly that way. And it's amazing, it says in the scriptures that David had planned, he had a plan that Hushai's counsel would turn away the counsel of Ahithophel. And it looked like it could never happen, but God made it happen because he has all the power and to do these things. There's also a portion in the Old Testament that's familiar to us in the book of Esther and how God turned the, the plans on, on around for Haman. Remember that. Haman wanted to kill Mordecai and his wife Zira and their friends were at his house and they counseled him, well, what you should do is build a gallows and put it right here in the backyard and, bring, and then go to the king and tell him that you want to kill Mordecai and tell him the whole thing, and then come and he'll be, he'll be executed on those gallows. And Haman was so happy about that. Yeah, that's good counsel. That's a good plan. But what did God do? God turned it around, and who was executed on that gallows? It was Haman. God took the counsel of those people, brought it to nothing. Man's counsel brought it to nothing, and God's counsel came up and won the day, and all the Jews were spared, and God did a miracle. Yes, God's counsel stands forever. Man's counsel fails all the time. Isaiah 8.10 says, take counsel together, and this is people on earth. Take counsel together, but it will come to nothing. Speak the word, but it will not stand, for God is with us. God is with us, and if God is for us, who can be against us? Nobody can. There can be opponents. They can stand against the church. They can stand against the leadership. They can do this and they can do that and cause a big fuss. And what happens? It all comes to nothing. It all is completely brought to a crashing end. So that's the counsel of man. We don't want to choose the counsel of man. It doesn't work. It never has and it never will. Whether people package it in a different way and make it sound so good, because the counsel of man always appeals to our intellect. It always appeals to our flesh. It appeals to what we want. So we choose it. But when we do, it ends in disaster, like the story of the Titanic. Well, secondly, look, look at the second point this morning is the counsel of God stands forever. And this is what's encouraging to me. Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the Bible, has 176 verses. And one of those verses is number 89. Psalm 119 and verse 89 says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled or stands firm in heaven. God's word lasts. It lasts forever. Just like Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall never pass away. When God says it, it counts and it stands forever. We can we can know that the Bible doesn't change because God doesn't change. We don't have to get an upgrade to it or a rewrite or, in, or edit it. No. God's word is the same as he is the same. And God does not change. He's an unchangeable God. And nothing we can do or man can do at all can affect God's plans. We can't thwart them. We can't stall them. We can't overcome them because God will carry out his plan. Matthew Henry once said, through all the revolutions of time, God never changes his measures. But in every event, 
That which is to us the most surprising, the eternal counsel of God is fulfilled. God fulfills His word. Yes, that is such a great thing. And to know that God is working all things in our lives for the good. If God changes a plan for us, He changes us to do something, we should be thankful that He changed it and know that He changed it for a reason. Suppose you apply for a university, young people, and we have some college-bound students. And let's say you thought for sure you were going to get into their school and there was no way you shouldn't have got in, right? You didn't get in. So you apply to another school and you get in. And God changes the plan, but he works it out in such a beautiful way that you graduate from that new school and it, he takes you in a new direction to be for his glory. We should be thankful. Or if we think we're going to get a certain job, and God turns it around and gives us a different job. It's always for the better in our lives. It's never for the worse. God never changes it to give you something worse or something bad. It's always for the good. And the Bible says in Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good. It says, and, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are the called according to his purpose. You know, you can get up in the morning and bank on that verse. You can know that whatever happens in my life, that God is going to turn the circumstances for the good and for his glory. Isn't that an encouragement? That would really take a lot of stress out of our life. It should. A lot of uh, worry and anxiety, knowing that sometimes things are a little different. God makes the changes, but it's always for the best. He has a purpose for his people. He has a purpose for this world. He has a purpose for each and every believer. The scripture says in Proverbs 16, 9, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. You know, we can have the plans laid like I have a plans laid today that I'm going to get in my car and I'm going to drive down to vacation and get there at a certain time. Well, already the Lord has changed my plan a little bit. I've got to make a little detour and then I'm going to go down and I'm... It's not good to get upset when God makes changes because we know it's going to be for the good. And he has a reason for it. And sometimes we'll know on earth why he changed the plan, and other times we won't. But we'll find out in heaven. You know, Dean, if you'd have taken that straight shot down there, there might have been an accident. You might have gotten into an accident. Something might have happened on the way. So I changed your course. I put you there, but at a different time. God is good. He loves us so much, and he's working in our lives. Yes, God is eternal. He's an unchangeable God, and his counsel is wonderful. The Bible says in Psalm 90 in verses 1 and 2, Lord, you've been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. God will always have, as we said, the last word. God will always have, as it were, the last laugh because he is God and nobody can thwart him. Psalm 2 in verses 1 to 4 is a familiar passage to many of us who speaks about this because it shows how God can turn around these nations and plans that people have. It says in Psalm 2 verse 1, Why do the nations rage and the peoples devise a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed and his anointed is the Lord Jesus Christ. 
saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and let us cast away their cords from us. And then here's the really amazing part. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. And when it says God is, a, is in the heavens laughing, it doesn't mean he finds it funny that people are against him on earth or against his people or persecuting his people or trying to overcome the gospel and things like that. It's not that God thinks it's funny. That's not the kind of laughter here. It's the kind of laughter that looks down on puny man like us, finite man trying to, in our weakness, and limited knowledge and power trying to overcome God. He laughs because he knows there's no way a person can do it. It's like trying to beat against a, a wall and you hit the wall, boom. And you try it again, boom. You try it again, boom. You're in your own strength, your own ways, boom. It doesn't work. But God makes the way. He opens it up like he opened up the Red Sea for the people of Israel so that they could go through on dry ground and Pharaoh and all his armies would perish. God has a way. God has a purpose. God has a plan. We don't always understand it. We don't always think it makes any sense. Somehow, God's plans don't always make sense. They, they, they may seem confusing. They may seem like, how is this going to ever work? But it does work, and it's for the best, because God knows best. No one and nothing can stall, stop, or frustrate the plans of God. He's unstoppable, unchangeable, and indestructible. And we have a great God. Reminds me of the story also of Paul. When Paul was going to be taken to Rome, he appealed to Caesar and they were taken him by ship to Rome. And there, were, there was Paul on board and there were 275 other people on board that ship that day. And, and the storm started coming and the difficulties of sea started coming. You could see it coming. And Paul spoke to the, to the people of, that were in authority at that time and he suggested that they wait, that they not go out because this, there's going to be bad weather. And this is what he said in, in Acts chapter 27, verses 9 through 11. It says, Now much time had been sent, and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over. Paul advised them, saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end in disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo, and ship, but of our lives also. Isn't that amazing? And here, this is the Apostle Paul. What does he know about the ships? What does he know about the sea? What does he know about the weather? Why would we want to listen to him? Why would we listen to his counsel? No, he's a prisoner. Why are we going to listen to him? And it says in the scripture, nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. Yes, they didn't listen to Paul. And what happened? Shipwreck. They lost the ship. They lost all the cargo of the ship. They got away with it by, with their lives because of the mercy of God. They landed on the ship there, a ship landed in the beach there, and they went up to that island of Malta. But if they would have just listened to that godly counsel that Paul had given, they would have saved themselves the ship, the cargo, and all that. And the owner was saying, we're, we're on a deadline here. We've got to get to Rome. It's going to cost me money. What do you think, Helsman? Well, if he would have said, no, we would have wait. You're fired. You'll get another captain in there because he did not want to miss that deadline. And so he ended up losing everything, everything except their lives. God's counsel is rich, it's beautiful, it's perfect. 
if we just accept it and believe it. Yes, God knows what he's doing. The psalmist said, The counsel of the Lord stands forever, and the plans of his heart to all generations. You know, we're privileged in our church, and I've been to many churches and many assemblies and many different places, and we are privileged to have two individuals in our midst, Adel and Sylvia, that are counselors. There's many pastors, there's many preachers, there's many men of God and women of God. But God has anointed these two people to counsel us like our spiritual parents. And I believe, and I have seen it with my own eyes over the years, the counsel they have given has been God's counsel and it has worked. It has succeeded. It has been good. And the people that have not taken it, they took it to their own harm, just like the sea captain and the owner of the ship. They thought, no, the plan is better. We're going to do it. We're going to make it. And they didn't make it. When we trust God and we obey his counsel and obey his word, we're safe because there's safety in an abundance of counselors. And I'm thankful for Adel and Sylvia and the counsel they give. And they're so patient. And they don't say, Dean, you didn't get Why did you try to do it on your own? Why did you do it that way? They're so patient. And they counsel from the word of God. They don't come up with their own ideas and say, well, I think you should do that or you should do According to God's word, the principle is this, and this is the counsel based on the word of God, based on your individual circumstances, based on the fact they've been praying about it and you've been praying about it, and then it comes and it flows. It's perfect. It ends up with a good result. Marriages, jobs, careers, college, all kinds of things have come together over the years. When God is in it, he makes it great, not because of us, but because of him. And all we have to do is listen to it and do it. And then we will find it to be a blessing. So let's remember today that we must choose God's ways. We must choose his counsel and not the counsel of man. The choices in our life are clear. What are we going to choose? Man's counsel? It seems so good. It appeals to our emotions. It appeals to our intellect. It appeals to our natural man, our flesh. Or are we going to choose God's way, God's counsel? Even if it doesn't make sense, even if it seems like, how could it ever work? But when we choose God's counsel and God's ways, it is going to work. It's going to be for our benefit and for the benefit of those around us as well. And secondly, we need to remember that God's counsel is the best. It lasts forever. That he overrules man's counsel. He brings it to nothingness. The nations are like a drop in the bucket. They cannot stand against the Lord. God's counsel is so perfect. It's so right. It works. And God works it out. He works it out for good in our lives when we grow and trust in him. Just to summarize it, at the very end this morning, in three ways, man's counsel is temporal or temporary. God's counsel is eternal. Man's counsel is finite. It's limited. God's counsel is infinite. It is limitless. And finally, God's counsel, man's counsel fails. God's counsel prevails. May God encourage us today. Choose today which counsel you're going to take. Will it be God's counsel or man's counsel? That is our choice. May God bless the study of his word to our hearts this morning. 
Let's bow our heads. If there's anyone here today that has never received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, today that can be the day that you can say, I've tried it my way. I've tried to be religious. I've tried to be a good person. I've tried my own plans, and they just don't work. We have to come to the cross and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I've sinned against you. I've tried it my own way, and it hasn't worked. Today can be the day that you can accept God's way. The message of the cross is like foolishness, that all you have to do is believe in Jesus, that he died on the cross for your sins, confess your sins and receive him as Lord and Savior. And right now you can be saved and you can be on a new path to following God's will and counsel all the way to glory. The scripture, it says it so clear. With his counsel, he will lead me and afterwards receive me to glory. Shall we just close in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you today for your word. We thank you for your counsel. We thank you for Adel and Sylvia who bring godly counsel to us. We thank you for the choices so clear, Lord. Help us not to choose our own ways or the ways of this world, though they may seem good. It may seem like the job is going to have more money and it's going to be a better situation for us. And in the end, it comes to nothing. Lord, help us just to trust you for your will, which is good and acceptable and perfect. And know that your counsel, Lord, is good for us and help us to follow it. You're the great God, Lord, and you've given us a freedom of choice and help us to choose. We ask this and thank you today, Lord, for all that you have done. In Jesus' precious name, amen.